get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson, also known as T-Bone. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Always happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to be joined by our friend, the Cardinals broadcaster for Valley Sports Midwest. He is Dan McLaughlin, Danny Mack, here on 101 ESPN. Dan, what's up, man? How you doing today? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Uh, doing pretty well. So I wanted to first get your thoughts on what was a pretty cool night last night at Enterprise Center as Chris Pronger's number gets retired up into the rafters. You were around the team at the time that Prongs was at the top of his game, Dan. What was that night like for you, and what are some of your lasting memories of watching Chris Pronger dominate early on in his career here in St. Louis? Well, I, I was fortunate to have a front row seat and uh, watch him <clears throat> turn into the, the Hall of Famer that he became. And I was there when he first got to St. Louis, and uh, the trade, as it was mentioned last night, was extremely, and I mean extremely, unpopular. I mean, you're talking about a guy in Brendan Shanahan who was an established star. He was popular in the community. He was one of the most popular, if not the most popular, blue with Brett Hall. And then all of a sudden they trade for this kid, Chris Pronger, who was not seeing his promise uh, come to fruition as a number two overall pick by Hartford. And so to see him come to St. Louis and to watch him grow up, and we're about the same age, so we would hang out every once in a while, you might imagine, after games and, and have a little fun. So I got to know him in that regard, too. Um, it was great. I, I was just so happy for him and his wife and his family. Uh, he's, he's made St. Louis home. He's invested in the community. And the, the, the couple of things I thought last night, Number one, Al McKinnis did a great job in what he said and saying that he might be the best defenseman that's ever played the game. That caught my attention. Uh, it was, for me, watching him in his MVP Norris Trophy season, I, I've said this many times, it's the most dominant hockey season of a player I've ever seen, ever. It was unbelievable how much he controlled the ice. He was on the ice. He averaged guys over 30 minutes a game. And then the other thing I thought about when I saw Al and then go to Chris is how did they not win a Stanley Cup? Uh, you know, when you had those two guys, and I've thought that for a long time, when you had those two guys on the ice for the better part of 60 minutes and dominating, and they were, both were dominating. Uh, Al does not get enough credit for just how good he was defensively. He was a terrific defensive player, but everybody talks about the slap shot and what that was like. But both guys were on the ice, and they dominated play. Um, you have to have a lot of things go in your favor to win a cup. I get that. But, man, to have those two guys there and not win it, especially the President's Trophy year, uh, was kind of shocking to me. But it was, it was great to see. And, and it was, I thought his speech was great. It was lighthearted. It represented who he is, 
him slamming a beer, having fun with the crowd, all that stuff. I mean, that is Chris Pronger in a nutshell. And uh, now he'll be forever immortalized in the uh, the rafters of, of Enterprise Center. So I, I thought it was a great night. And the, the Blues production team, once again, did an incredible job with that, too. So it was just really cool to see. Dan, real quick, one more question on Pronger. At what point in his career did you see him and say, this guy is going to be a Hall of Famer? Well, certainly that year that he won the MVP and and the Norris, I thought, okay, if he can stay healthy, this is a this is an MVP type player every single year, and if he can have longevity in the game, um, he's headed to the Hall of Fame. When he first got here, you got to remember too, and it, it's kind of. I know this is apples and oranges, but it's kind of like when you draft in the international draft in baseball and you're just taking a flyer on a guy and you see some of the peripheral things that you think could be really good player, but he's got to grow into his body. Chris Pronger had to grow into his body. Um, I don't think enough people talk about that. Like he was tall and gangly and yeah, you know, he was strong and strong enough to, to play a full NHL season at early ages, 19 and 20 but he changed his body, and when his habits off the ice changed, his training, his eating, um, nutrition, that kind of thing, uh, you saw a more dominant player. And I, I think when you started to see that, Alex, I, to me, that's when he began to, to become the player that he was. And and it's not only that. I mean, obviously, you get more experience, and you become more used to your surroundings and, and the, the various things that happen as you grow into the league. But physically, his body changed. I mean, he became an absolute menace on the ice. You know, he's six, 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 seven with a long reach and a nasty streak to try to not only, you know, beat you, but hurt you and punish you. You have that combination um, with that God-given, uh, you know, physical nature that he had and the body that he was given. When it started to change, that's when you started to see him as a player change. And he morphed into this remarkable, dominant player and he was, and, and you would see signs of it. You definitely would see signs of it, but then it all kind of hit in 99 and 2001. And you're like, holy smokes, this guy is going to be some kind of player and already is. And obviously it took him all the way to the hall of fame. We're talking to Danny Mack here on 101 ESPN, the Cardinals broadcaster for Bally sports Midwest. Dan, I did want to ask you about the Cardinals. I was reading over on the athletic earlier today and Jim Bowden, the former major league baseball general manager put together basically a Q and a, he had a bunch of fans send him possible trade ideas for what their team could do, right? It's a slow time of the year. Welcome to the business. <laughs> um, and one of them that he, he got, and I, I thought it was interesting was a potential Paul DeYoung trade to the twins for one of their top 100 prospects. Now, the specific player that they had in this mix is is close to the big leagues. He played a little bit for the Twins last year. But I did want to ask you maybe a little bit more abstract question about this, Dan. If you're the Cardinals, and when things open back up again, please open back up soon, baseball, but when things open back up, if you're John Mosellock, would you consider trading Paul DeYoung in a trade similar to what they did with Matt Adams, where you get a future asset in return or is this a situation where you need a, a proven major league level commodity if you're going to deal Paul DeYoung, considering he, he is still part of what you're expecting for your opening day roster next year? He's only 28. I, I think people forget that, too. He's only 28. He won't turn 29 until August. And I flash back to 2019, in which he had the 30 home run season, was an all-star. And can he get back to that and do it at a price that is so reasonable 
um, that that makes that a very, very, um, I think, you know, favorable trade ship if that's the direction that you wanted to go. Because a lot of this comes down to, to money and, and dollars and cents. And if you look and you feel as an organization, where you, you know, you're the Cardinals or the Twins or whomever, if you feel like, hey, I, I can get the most out of this guy at the value that he's going to potentially bring at that value with the money, um, I don't know. I, I think it's got to be more than that. Now, I, I understand he's had two down years. I get that. I, I think a lot of it, though, is COVID-related and trying to come back from that in 2020. Last year, I think he maybe rushed himself back after having the, the fracture and didn't go on a rehab assignment, and then you're playing catch-up, and then all of a sudden he got pushed by Sosa. If you look at the combination of those two currently constructed, shortstop position can be fine. Now, if they went out and got Trevor Story, hey, I'd be excited about Trevor Story. If a trade would happen, I could under, I could make the case and say, yeah, I understand why they're doing it, but um, I think there's other areas, though, that if you're, if you're the Cardinals, namely, what am I going to do with my bench, left-handed bat, what does my DH situation look like, which could be Paul DeYoung, and it also comes down to what am I going to do in my bullpen. I, I'm just not sure that this would be front and center on what they want to do. And again, it's such a club-friendly deal that if you get just a modicum of the success that he had in, in 2019, it becomes a pretty good value for your club. You mentioned the DH, and this is the final question that I've got for you, Dan. How do you think they view it? Uh, yesterday, I was reading Ben Fred. He had a column on how, how they should approach it. He thinks they should go out and get a big-time bat. And Same. I, I've mentioned Nelson Cruz's name a, a million different times. He's the guy that I think makes a ton of sense for this team. But or Schwarber. I don't know if they're going to go that route or if they decide to do it as a spot where maybe they get some rest or maybe they platoon the designated hitter. How, how do you think they will or should approach the designated hitter if and when that ends up becoming a thing in the National League? Oh, I think it's when. It's not if. I, I think that'll be one of the, the easy things that in the CBA that they just say, DH, everybody good? Yeah, okay, let's move on to the next thing. So I, I think that's a foregone conclusion. Um, I look at it two ways. I think if you're looking at it from the immediate of 2022, they are a very right-handed hitting club right now, currently constructed. You've got Tommy Edmond as a switch hitter, and you've got Dylan Carlson. And then you look in the rest of that lineup is right-handed heavy. So if they're going to go out and spend – and spend on a bat, I would assume it's going to be a left-handed bat. Now, would I do that? I'm not necessarily sure I would because you do have Lars Newbar, You do have uh, DeYoung potentially, and I understand that one is left, one is right. But that is money that you could then allocate other places. So I could see them going in both ways. But the other thing that you've got to remember, too, is that if you're running the franchise, you're saying, yeah, the first couple of months or maybe even all of 2022 – uh, would I love to have Kyle Schorber? Of course I would. What's it going to take to get him? Probably a multi-year deal. But I've got Walker coming. I've got Nolan Gorman coming. I've got the potential of Lars Newpar there coming off my bench. I've got Paul DeYoung potentially coming off my bench. Can I get by in the immediate of 2022 with just those guys as opposed to then investing millions of dollars in a multi-year contract on just a hitter? And I'm not sure that's the direction that they're going to go because – if you sit in that seat where Mo is, is at, it, it is about the now. Believe me, you're winning now, but you're also thinking about how are we going to fit all this in moving forward. And that's a good problem to have, and I think it's a problem that they're going to have in a good way uh, probably sooner rather than later. He's Danny Mac. You can find him on Twitter at Danny Mac TV. That's where he will be tweeting at me during the Chiefs game this Sunday. I am sure <laughs> of it. Just Dan- calm down. Will you, BK? <laughs> I appreciate the time as always, my man. We'll talk with you again next week, buddy. Hopefully about a Chiefs win.
All right, guys. Thanks for having me.